Sycamore Avenue. Little Newark. Little Newark. Crackton. Crackton is the stop. Crackton? That doesn't sound right. Industrial Access Road. Airport Refueling Way. Rural Route 9. Army Proving Ground. Um, excuse me, sir. When does this bus get to the museum? It doesn't. Oh, but isn't this the 22? Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday, Thursday is the 22A. 22A? Then where the heck am I? Don't make me tap the sign. But I'm lost and I need to know where... Last stop. End of the line. <sighs> I should have got off and cracked and... Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review Lost Our Lisa. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you, Dando. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, but I, a little disappointed. Oh. I uh, I remember really liking this episode when I was younger. Yeah, and you, you did. I, I sort of walked out of this one. Not that I didn't like it. It just walked out of this one. Did you get them to screen it for you down at Village? I actually, I actually stopped it two minutes short and I said I can't stand this anymore. I walked out. I just left it. Nick was like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Fuck it. I just can't. I can't do it." I'm asking nah. for a refund. <laughs> I am um, on my illegally downloaded copy of The Simpsons. I just didn't. I don't know. the The ending to me just felt so fucking jarring. I I, I feel like yeah, this sorry. episode. I just feel like this is the episode where they really crossed the line with the wackiness and the regard. Like when Homer got his head caught in the drawbridge. I'm like, okay, so this is the point where Homer can just sustain anything because I know he can get bashed to death and whatnot. In the Falling boxing. down the Springfield Gorge a couple times didn't count. No, but this is his head being stuck in between a drawbridge. People can survive falls like that. People yeah, can't survive their head in a drawbridge, Mitch. But it's established canon that he's got a, a protective uh, casing around his head of fluid. When did, when did we learn that? When he's a boxer. Yeah, but even the end of the episode was based around how he's still in mortal danger. Yeah, but he had to take a lot of hits. This is a drawbridge. He's already taken a cannonball to the stomach. I don't think a drawbridge is any worse than taking a cannonball to the stomach. I've always seen this episode as a really fun one. But when I saw this time, when I watched it and Homer's conversation with Lisa at the end about how he doesn't have any regard for anything, he just does things on impulse and just worries about it later. Hmm. To me, that just sort of signifies, okay, this is the pivotal character shift. This it's sort of he, it's like his way of justifying the jerk ass Homer that we know about, who just does things without thinking. Homer's so, always okay. been like that to an extent, but here he's sort of saying, I just do things without any regard to anybody else and how they think or whether it affects them in any way. I just do it because I want to. So I didn't take it that way at no? all. Okay. Okay. No. Um I actually thought that that bit like that sort of bit where he comes screeching to a halt in the car was one of my favorite moments because I thought that the episode, uh, there's a few, a few, uh, that I put down here, but it calls back to me to when Marge scree- like screeches to a halt and moaning Lisa and gives her the speech about if you want to be sad, be sad. Like this is Homer, Homer's version of that speech, but it's about embracing 
the embracing having a sense of adventure and not worrying about rules all the time and that sometimes or ever br- <laughs> yeah look okay so ever but ever is not the literal message that he's trying to get through um or that it's not the literal message that comes through it's that there are times where you just got to do what you got to do and i think that that is a kind of important message to pass on that you know don't don't always stress about what's the right thing or the wrong thing so you, you don't you didn't you didn't find it like odd and rushed like to me it just sort of felt like that final 2 minutes where Lisa and Homer break into the museum to me it just felt like the writers went wait a minute Lisa's done something she shouldn't have learnt the consequences we've still got 2 minutes of the episode what can we make them do like it just felt like such a nothing ending no i i really didn't feel that way at all so you came out of it you really enjoyed this episode or like what did you like about it i th- thought that this was more following on from last week where it felt like um, the series was going back to its roots. I thought this was another attempt to tell a story that connects on connects two characters on a level that they don't connect on very often. Yeah, Homer's by no means... He's, he's a good father in this. Yeah, like he makes a mistake. Um, but he also does that out of just assuming that... I mean, in a way he does it because he's trying to save money, but he also does it out of an assumption that Lisa knows what she's doing. Um I think there's like the the fact that he lets her catch the bus speaks to an underlying trust, which is sweet. Um, we've seen we've seen Lisa do this before. The kids know that they can just fool Homer. Yeah, uh, but but I mean like the the trust from Homer in that she can handle it. Like there's uh, he never speaks down to her in this. He never disrespects her. He never degrades her. Like the 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 whole way through, all you see from Homer is a Homer that loves his daughter and cares about his daughter and is terrified when he senses that she might be in danger. I really enjoyed her enthusiasm for going out in the bus for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think we've, well, we have. We've all had that moment where you're doing something for the first time by yourself, whether it's going to the movies or something. And they, re- they really encapsulate it well, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I also, like, in a, a smaller element of that, but just the idea of being out on a school day uh, when you're a kid, like, you know, if you had a day off school and you went into town and you kind of saw how town, what town was like on a weekday, it yeah, just this, it, it yeah. had a different vibe about it. And they captured that very, very well with Barton Millhouse early. 100%. Yeah. I, I just like, I just like when in the scene, get back to a release from the bus. I like how she's super excited, but everyone else is just doing what they normally do every day. And it's just business. Just yeah. going to the VD clinic like any other day. <laughs> Damn it. That's one of my trivia questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I also really liked that the A plot and the B plot, like as silly as the B plot is about Bart, um, I like that they intertwined, that one impacted on the other and crisscrossed a little bit throughout. Yeah. They, they, weren't, they weren't like intertwined. It was just, like you said, one resulted well, in another thing happened to happen. So like Lisa caught the bus there's a because cause of and effect Bart. in there. So yeah. It, yeah, and that's what I meant by intertwined. That had yeah. Bart not done what he did, it wouldn't have caused Lisa to go on her story, uh, which wouldn't have caused Homer to run into Marge, like driving around, presumably after looking after Bart, all that sort of stuff. Like it, um, yeah. If, if any one of those elements goes away, then the other elements don't exist. And the Simpsons, when they have an A and a B story like this, they don't always intertwine or affect each other. Sometimes they will, for example, I'll throw out Homer's bowling team and the kids having to wear school uniforms. So they walk in wearing school uniforms and Homer makes fun of them whilst he's talking to somebody about his bowling team. Yeah. Where, like that, they, they, they meet, but they don't affect each other. 
Yeah, exactly right. Like they're they're very closely connected and related to each other in this episode. Yeah, I did. I did think it, the the one part about this where I did roll my eyes storyline wise. So like I, I didn't the Homer getting his head in the drawbridge. I didn't care, but I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. But when Lisa gets dropped off in the middle of nowhere by the bus driver, I'm kind of like, this would actually never happen. <laughs> um, certainly, he's just not. abandoned a child in the desert. <laughs> Yeah, some bus drivers are assholes. They are, but not like this. In fact, most <laughs> bus drivers are assholes. Georgia, our resident lawyer, would it be illegal for a bus driver to kick a kid off <laughs> at the yeah. end of a at the end of the line? Interesting question. Um, is is he hmm. is he forced to to look after the child? Yeah, like what's the duty of care to a kid? I, I, th- I think it is. I think you have to at least call a police officer to come help them or something. Yeah, you would hope. But as I said, bus drivers assholes. Not all of them. You did get... You know when you catch... Did you ever catch the bus home from school? Like, was that your regular thing? No, I rode my bike. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, we'll, but like, we'll cover like, out... Sorry, we'll cover that uh, buses and me just do not get along. Uh, we have covered it where you, you got into an old girl's bus or something once. Yeah, but I've got more stories. That's oh, just you've one. you got more stories? Yeah. Intriguing. Uh, but there was, like, there was like two or three different bus drivers that would rotate during the week. And one was... Uh, one was really, really nice where he wouldn't even charge you to get on. One was a super dick and one you would swear was a super killer, a uh, serial killer. Super killer. A, a super serial killer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he, um, it, it was just really, really weird to the point, kind of like the soup Nazi where he, he wouldn't say much. You would just pay your money and get on. I didn't know you had to pay for the school bus. I assumed it was like a, a thing that was included in your school fees. Uh, the kids who would catch the bus every single day guaranteed would have a bus pass. My mum would occasionally pick us up from school. So, oh, we'd just okay. pay the... At the time, it was 90 cents. Yep. So, you, you, you get to the bus stop and always be those kids saying, can I borrow a dollar for the bus? I'm like, you can just walk to town. It's like half a kilometre that way. I'm just too fucking lazy. And I'm not giving you a dollar. <laughs> mm, that's fair. I'm too lazy and I'm too cheap. Yes, exactly right. My two cents. <laughs> Uh, what was your favourite moment from the episode? Uh, I really liked the double up of shouldn't you be at work? That was good, yes. That was very funny. And quick thinking from Homer, this is my work. Move along, Marge. It's in the parking lot. Simpson, shouldn't you be at work? <laughs> um, I love the, the throwback to the fact that Burns didn't know who he was. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the terror sweat, I was a big fan of. Yeah, um, a lot of people like that. The guys at work, they thought that was their favourite part as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like just just good thinking by Hibbert. I really like that. Um, I like that. This felt like classic Hibbert, didn't it? It did a bit. And I'd like to know, like, does Hibbert ever use the button applicator? Like, is Hibbert into haberdashery on the side? Or does he have <laughs> that know. purely for fear? That thing has seen some shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really liked... Lisa not having any time for comic book guy. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah, can I She's... sit here? Yes, you can. If you answer these questions three, <laughs> question the first. Never mind. But it, it would be like that though. You'd be like, I'm not listening to this guy. A scene ain't worth this. Yeah. And uh, the last thing that I really really enjoyed was um, kind of a subtle gag when the kids are out and about and they see Barney and they're like, Barney isn't even drunk yet. He walks in a mose and you hear Homer's voice. Hey, Barney. Here's the thing though. I really I really appreciated it too. But then. Two minutes later, they're calling up Homer, wanting to borrow glue. Well, it was more than two minutes because they've been to the shops. They've had a look around. Time has passed. So, I've taken that as Homer stopped in on his way to work for a pre, pre-work pre drink. I, I, can, I can buy that. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed Carl saying, so, you're going to ask me about my hat? Hey, Carl, <laughs> what's with the hat? Oh, what? This thing? <laughs> oh, what? This thing? 
<laughs> and the Russian who was yelling despite the fact that he was being actually polite. Oh, yeah. Russia Town was hilarious. Uh, so good. Clough Kalash Man returned. Good game. Shall we play another? <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for the episode, Mitch. We've asked the patrons this week. What have they mm-hmm. given us? Uh, we've got Dave Cook with Straight Outta Crackton. Uh, oh. I was a fan of. You should Blake never Mc- go to Crackton. Not a good place. Blake... Uh, what was his last name? Blake McLaughlin with Lisa in Denial Exhibit. Mm-hmm. Guy Bellamy, the bus that wouldn't turn around. That's pretty awesome. And uh, and Giles Richard with Homer Rome's Lost Our Dork. Lost Our New Dork. His name is Giles? Uh, Giles, yes. What a name. Yeah. Uh, my alternate title this week was The Public Transporter. That's pretty good as well. And I, then uh, once I thought of that, I imagined Lisa as Jason Statham just sort of kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was 15 minutes of my day well spent. Next question. You there, eating the paste. So the new names for this week. Now it's time for some trivia. Mitch, you can kick off the proceedings since you've already ruined my first question. Oh, my apologies. What colour buttons get applied to Bart's shirt? Ooh, is it red, blue, purple? Uh, red, black and green. Red, black and green. Nowhere near it. Uh, what is the bus driver's name? Um. Ooh. It's, uh, Leonard. Larry. Close. You got Damn. L. <laughs> um. What was the name of the joke shop? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it was written in Yoldy English. If that helps. Uh, uh, Yold joke shop. <laughs> no. Sh- it was shop. <laughs> Yuckingham Palace. Yuckingham Palace. And finally, for me, what bus did Lisa take? Twenty-two A. 22A, well played. And my final question is, how long had it been since the orb of Iris had been heard by anyone? Uh, 4,000 years? Uh, yeah. She said 4, more than 4,000, but yes, I'll take 4,000. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty, time for some shout-outs now. Our beloved $20 patrons, Mr. Jordan, Mulman, Richie, and Lisa the Simpson. Uh, now, Owen Holland was the gentleman who wrote in last week wanting a shout-out, and I forgot where he wrote in. Huh, uh, he found so it, or did he write in a second he time? He wrote in again a second time to our Patreon uh, page, as the requested. desperation just drips off him. <laughs> Thank you, Owen Holland, for being a $5 patron. And thank you to Riley McMullen for signing up to be a $5 plus patron as well. Now, we've asked the patrons in the exclusive four-figure discount uh, Facebook group, which you can be a part of for just being a $2 plus patron, what the episode-specific questions they have. Now, you've found a couple, Mitch. I've also found a couple. I'll start with uh, Ashley Gilbert here. Asks, have we ever screwed around with superglue? Because he once, or he used to, and his mates superglue $2 to the ground and mm-hmm. watch people try to pick it up. So classic have you ever, gag. Yes, classic. Have you ever used superglue? Um, so I've, got a, I've got a ripper of a story, which I may have already told in the podcast, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, is ripper a, like, is that a deliberate choice of words? Have you heard the story? Uh, I don't know, but we'll get to that. Um, I've never deliberately screwed around with superglue, but I've also never once used superglue without getting it on my fingers and gluing myself to. So I once glued myself to the to my doona, um, like my doona cover because I or duvet cover if you're in England, uh, because I was sort of making a model pl- a car, um, on my bed, and I think I'd put some paper and stuff like that down for the car, but. Yeah, I managed to get a little bit of glue onto my hand, rest my hand on the doona, and then went to walk up, and the whole thing came with me. Yeah, because you, you, your brain, like your instinct is to just try and wipe it off. 
but it doesn't wipe off. It just sticks oh, to shit. <laughs> this wasn't even me trying to wipe it off. I just got some on my hand that I didn't know was there and then rested my hand on the doona and that was the end of things. I hate the fact that I was trying to super glue something one day, I can't remember, in the kitchen and I was wearing my favorite Futurama shirt and I, t- I, s- I must have lent on it or touched it or something. So right in the middle of my shirt, I've just got this crunchy, crusty part that just it's really hard from the super glue mm-hmm. that you just can't wash out. Mm-hmm. You, you know when you get all of your fingers and it's stuck on your fingers so- for like three, four days? Just like the middle of all of your socks. I um, I have an issue... Or the, actually, the other thing... like, You know how hard superglue is to get off of your fingers? Like, oh, it's terrible. I, I have remembered genuinely thinking it would be easier to just get a razor blade and take my skin off. Yes. Um, it goes like all hard, this, doesn't it? Yeah, like the killer in Seven. Just go, I'm not going to clean this, so let's just remove it and wait for it to grow back. <laughs> It's um yeah it's some of the worst stuff you got to be so careful maybe we should probably wear gloves in the future uh, but my, my my story anyway do you want my story please so we're at high school and there was this teacher I'll just say he's Mr Mr H and there mm-hmm. were these two kids one was called Rachel and one was called Joel and they were the two kids that were always disrupting the class very naughty always always naughty and Rachel deliberately got herself thrown out of the, the room. Now, we were in these portables at the time at Geelong High School. Ah, uh, the portables. Yeah, so we're outside in the portables. Uh, so we're inside. She's outside the portable. And all of a sudden, we hear these rocks being thrown on the roof. We're like, ah, it's just Rachel. And it's getting really, really annoying to the point where Mr. H has to go out to tell her to stop it. So he mm-hmm. gets up, goes out, and he's telling her off. Meanwhile, Joel stands up, gets super glue out of his pocket, and puts super glue all over the teacher's chair. And it was those hard plastic chairs you know the you know the classic school chair the plastic ones like the bunnings chairs that they were setting sitting people at for the australia versus usa team on the weekend <laughs> no no sorry not, the, not those ones not all plastic the ones okay. that have metal, a metal a metal frame with plastic base and a plastic uh, backing yeah, okay yeah um so teacher comes back in we're all looking around going should we tell him do we do anything but before we knew it he's sitting down in the chair about two minutes later if that Joel puts his hand up and says, hey, Mr. H, can you come over here Sorry, and help me us? what year are you in? This would have been year nine. Okay, so you're all 14, 15, thereabouts. 15, yeah, 14, 15, 16, about that age, yeah. Yeah. Um, teacher. 16, well, I suppose it is Geelong High, so yeah, 16, 17, <laughs> well, this, 18. This, this Joel guy had been kept down a year, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes over to see Joel. The chair comes up with him. Oh, dear. Uh, it was not good. Joel and his little gang of naughty smoker smoker friends all start cackling up laughing. We're just like, oh, we don't know what to do. Teacher tries to get up again. Chair comes up with him. He starts actually crying, like literally crying. So the teacher's now bawling his eyes out saying, right, who did it? Who did it? Meanwhile, there's only like three kids who are cackling themselves laughing. He pulls the chair up, removes it from his ass, and it rips his pants. So there's- Oh, it takes, takes a- the seat of the pant with him. It takes like a, just a small bit, but yeah, there's a hole in the guy's pants. Um, he storms off to the principal's office, uh, takes three weeks off because he's traumatized and the kid had to buy him a new pair of pants. <laughs> I like that bit the most. Because they were his favorite pants, apparently. I like to imagine that they went shopping together and like the teacher tried on six or seven <laughs> pairs while the kid was sitting in a chair, giving him a little nod or a small shake of the head. I'm hearing like the, the Happy Simpsons montage music in the background. No, no, no. Happening. Pretty Woman is playing in the background. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like... But yeah, that was my story where we saw a guy get glued to a chair. <laughs> when he finally buys the pair that they want, um, you know, they're at the register, they're, re- they're racking it through, and then like the kid just sort of mock gets some super glue and goes to apply it to the pants. And then like they sort of give those big like, oh, ha, ha, kind of laughs to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Slap each other on the elbow back. Of the stomach. Yeah, and then they buy each other an Taps ice cream. On the shoulder. Yeah, that's great. Glues his head to the ice cream cone. Uh, next question from Jordan Lewis. He says, where would you risk sneaking into after hours if you weren't able to get a ticket? Oh, okay. Uh, so, what? okay. How do we make this... We've got to put some... Well, we- cons- we've got to put consequences onto this. Otherwise, we'd just say, like, everything that we want to go to. So... Let's say, well, we mentioned um, we mentioned in our we just reviewed the Futurama episode, Slurm and the, uh, Fry and the Slurm Factory mm-hmm. uh, for the patrons. KFC, I'd love to break in and try and see if they've got the the herbs and spices code somewhere <laughs> in the building. Actually, okay, so hang on, let me put this caveat on there. Where would you break into? But Homer and Lisa get caught, right? At the very end, yeah, yeah. So where would you break into with? A guarantee that you are going to be caught by security after you've been like you get to break in you get to enjoy whatever it is you want to enjoy but then you are going to be captured so, so there's going to be something inside that you really really want so you'd be a donut shop oh no because then i'd have to cook it it's not like there's just donuts hanging out oh they have yesterday's donuts still sitting there right that's not the same dando <laughs> <laughs> um i i reckon i would do it for Okay, so like if back in time, I would have broken into um, the Hawthorne Best and Fairest for Luke Hodge's goodbye year. Um, okay. That would have been worthwhile. Stick around, hear the speech, say the goodbye, and then be arrested. So like, a, what even just like a grand final, like break into the rooms after a grand final? Oh being. shit! Yes, that'd be amazing. Into the dressing rooms of the of the victorious team. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not your team, just being in the rooms. Mm. Actually, if your team wasn't playing, I'd almost rather be in the losers' rooms. I'd like to know what it's like in there. Just one, one more. It's a bit off track, but I love. I was watching the footy last week. I love how when they're in the losers' rooms after a game, how the interviewer always talks really somber. That's like, because really, really no one sorry. makes any sound. So, I know it's just like, oh yeah, so so you, you know, not a, not a great feeling, but uh, yeah, how are you guys going to bounce back from this? It is pretty crazy. <laughs> like, you know, like if you go to a funeral. Even in the wake, like the minutes after a funeral, people are still laughing a little bit. Like it's like, okay, well that's all over now. We can, we can move on and try to remember the good times. But you lose a game of footy and you're not allowed to smile. <laughs> you're not allowed to breathe. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So what what are the couple of questions you've got? Uh, oh, the only other one that I had was Andrew Pilecki. When were you first allowed to travel solo? Was it scary and did you get lost? Travel solo, I. Th- Ooh, it would have been well. I thought it would have been a school bus for me, but even that's surrounded by kids, so it's not mm-hmm. really the same thing. I think I caught the bus into town when I would have been about. Or what about riding your bike by yourself? That doesn't count, does it? No, no. I, th- I think actual yeah. transport. Um, I'll say it would have been maybe twelve or thirteen to go see the Matrix. I reckon by myself. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um. See, like I always got myself into trouble. So I remember once traveling in from Drysdale via bus to Geelong and hadn't factored in the return trip and there weren't many buses <laughs> going back on a Sunday. So I ended up having to go in and see um, Star Wars, uh, the the, Reven- the Sith 
Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, yeah. The third one. The, you were yep. the chosen one. You were my brother. That's 2005. Yeah. And the only reason I went to see that movie was because I saw some other people that I went to school with that I knew had a license I was, and they were going. I was like, well, if I go with that and sit through this three hours of Drek after not having seen the first two, I can at least get home. So, like, that... Me catching the bus turned into me hitchhiking, basically. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you weren't smart enough to just look up the runtime, go do something else for that period of time, and then come back when they leave. It was a cold night on a Sunday in Geelong. So, what else was I going to be doing? You couldn't call your parents to save you. I uh, didn't have a mo. No, I would have had a mobile phone. I think that was, you would have been 17 at this point. I think. There was a reason that that wasn't an option. There was a reason I caught the bus in the first place, and it would have been that, you know, mum was unavailable. Yeah. Okay. And dad at the time was living in Queensland, so he was, <laughs> that, he was out. There's a search party out for you. You're six hours gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just got to make it through the end credits. Um, then, but like me and buses have just never gotten along. So, I've told the one several times about catching the girls' bus by mistake. Um, but even now, it still plagues me. So, when Ash and I were overseas, we had to catch the bus a couple of times, once in Paris, and it was like the 22A thing. We got the bus that we would, would have needed like six of the other seven days, but the one that we happened to be catching went two stops and terminated, just for no fucking explanation. They just went, no, <laughs> this is as far as we go today. And <laughs> That's we- happened to us on the subway, yeah. Yeah, and we needed to go like nine stops. And the only reason we'd caught the bus is because the subway wasn't operating either. There was just this bullshit run with public transport. Um, so then we're down in Sorrento a little bit later in the holiday. We needed to get to... Well, Ash wanted to go see Positano. Um, get on the bus for that and miss our stop by like 15 minutes. Um, 15 minutes? Yeah, like just because... I, I don't even know. Like it's just... If I get on a bus, shit goes wrong. Like... The, the bus to Positano is really easy. There's not many stops. It's only one road. But we still managed to overshoot our stop by a lot. Like a very, very... Where we pulled up in this town called Preano. We could see Positano off in the distance, but it wasn't close enough to walk to. And there was no way to get there even if we wanted to. <laughs> I remember when Nicola we were going to see Tom's Cafe. Or Tom's Restaurant, sorry, in New York. And oh, yeah. that's on one... I remember it was on 112th Street. I'm pretty sure it's 112th Street. And Nicholas like, we'll get this sub and we'll, and it'll get us like essentially there. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the guy was saying, get this one there. And she's like, no, no, this one here. Look, read this. I'm like, all right. And like, if there's any, one thing you don't do on holiday, it's question Nicola's directions. Yeah. Like, she's got it all planned out. So, we're getting on it. And I'm looking off the subway and I'm like, well, that's not going to be stopping at 112. <laughs> we keep going. And I said to the guy, where's this going? He goes, oh, 125th, Harlem. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, Nicholas well, like, no, no. It's close. Nicholas it's like, no, only it's 13 blocks away. Yeah, no, yeah, it was just, yeah, and then it wasn't that far, but I'm just like, it was a good moment for me because I knew I was right. Nicola knew she was wrong, but you don't dare say it. You just, you just let it happen. You just let, you just let her, you know, just seethe that knowing that she was wrong. But it was one of those scenarios where on the map it said Monday to Friday it is this, but uh, we were going on a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I would have loved so, it if it was completely different. Like, like, excuse me, sir, when does this, when does this train get to one twelve? It's like. Man, this is going to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ended up in Harlem, so it was what, what thirteen blocks away. So it was a, yeah. it was a fair it was a fair walk. It doesn't sound like much, but thirteen blocks is still what twenty yeah, minutes. I kind of like that part of Harlem, though. There's a lot of like depending on the day, you get some street stalls and stuff like that. It's a cool little place. Oh, I, I, no, we just got people looking at us saying, "What are you doing here? You don't belong around here." <laughs> like, <laughs> we just they 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 knew we went from there. 
I feel like you guys would look like tourists when you're in other countries. Um, you with your uh, Rocco's Modern Life t-shirt. <laughs> like, my biggest... I think... Nah, it was so fucking cold at that point, so I had my big jacket ah, okay. on because it was just it was freezing in New York when we yeah. were there. But you're the sort of guy that would like. Actually, no, I saw a photo of you in New York wearing a Geelong jumper, like a Geelong Cats football jumper. In New York, or was York? that LA? I oh, know that was at the Simpsons Studios. Yeah, because because okay. I, I wore it because I knew I was going to put it on the page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, where uh, there were a few times when we were in Europe where people came up to me speaking in either French or Italian, asking me for directions and even though I was very apologetic and couldn't help them, there was a small part of me that was like fucking nailing the local look. <laughs> but I, I certainly did look like a, an Aussie when I was in England and I'm sitting at the back reading a book in 33 degree heat and they're inside sweating, thinking that's the, the, the hottest thing ever. They can't handle it. Probably also, literally- probably also the fact that um, it's the middle of summer and you were the only one with a tan. <laughs> that is true. But literally, anything over 30 degrees, they won't go outside. Well, that, that's a bit of an exaggeration. They, they will go to the beach and stuff, but my God, did they complain. Complain, complain, complain. I'm like, it's actually not that hot. It's actually a cool breeze. And they thought I was insane. I'm like, that's a fucking cool breeze. <laughs> but anyway, that's the, uh, that's the patron mailbag for this week. It's about time we get into the, uh, the episode, Lost Out Lisa. The original air date was the 10th of May, 1998. Mitch, how does this episode commence? Uh, it commences like any other episode with the opening titles. <laughs> um, it's Barton Millhouse walking through the streets Yeah, walking through the streets because it's a teacher's conference day So it's kind of like report grading day or something in Australia Where you, you get, in the middle of a term, you just get a day where the, there's no school on And it's amazing Teachers just make it up to get a day off Yeah, yeah, exactly right And in this case, yeah, like I like the line of, um, you know, about uh, Poor teachers are cooped up in school and cut to just on the roller coaster, having a great having time. Having a time of their life with Drink, booze on a roller coaster. Yeah, with yeah. booze, drinking champagne on a roller coaster. You were right, though. They did nail that vibe of having a day off during the week where shops are open, there's people that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's a really weird feeling, but it's cool, though, because you don't get that experience that often when you're a kid. Yeah, you don't. And it's one of those things where any other day, particularly when, like, you know, if you've ever skipped school, it's a danger to be in town. I used to really like that. Um, not that I skip school very often, but you'd have that feeling of like, oh, shit, I hope I don't get seen by someone that, you know, might know my dad or something like that. But then when it's a day off and you're in town, you just walk around with absolute impunity. And it's a it's a cool feeling that you didn't get very often when you were younger. What was the midday special? If you were home sick watching TV, was it Judge Judy, Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake? Like what? Um, <laughs> Judge Judy Jerry, I, I never really watched Ricky Lake too much. And then I might pop on a movie, probably. Yeah, okay. There's um, always, and in the, in the mornings on ABC, there's always Art Attack. Always get Art Attack. Uh, Art Attack when I was a kid. That was if I was genuinely homesick, yeah. Um, yeah. But then when I was older, it'd probably, yeah, it'd either be a movie, video games, or perhaps like Montreal Comedy Festival 1998. But we can't forget Ready Steady Cook. Uh, the like the original when Gabriel Gatte was on it, yeah, like the the it used to be on Channel Ten at like yeah, two o'clock. I mean, it it went through a few different iterations of hosts. It, I I don't know the guy's name, but the guy was pretty corny and didn't really understand a thing about cooking. Yeah, was that him? <laughs> oh yeah, probably. <laughs> but what I mean is, <laughs> like whoever the first host was, yes, anyone from that point, no. Um, we get the moment where you see you explained before where Barney's in his uh his morning attire before he gets drunk. Homer's at Moe's as well. Um, then Bart and Milhouse go into the joke shop 
um, and they, for some reason, just decided to buy shit to stick to their face. Like, <laughs> I've never gone to a joke shop and thought I'm going to get a, a drain and stick it to my forehead. A tap. Doesn't Bart say that his faces need some work? His I face don't needs think some... my face is as hilarious as it could be. What can you show me in a nose or forehead accessory? Um, like, we know that Bart is a face puller, so he's just trying to step up his game. If you put dog dew on the suction cups, they'll stick better. Millhouse, I'm not going to take dog dew that's been on the dirty ground and put it on my face. I have a better idea. Hey, Dad, wake up! I'm awake! I'm awake! I'm a productive member of the team! You can't fire me, I quit! Please, I have a family! Relax, Dad, it's just me. I was wondering if you had any industrial strength adhesive I could use on my face. Well, let's see what we got in the old drawer. Aha, there's some glue. Hope this stuff holds. Just quickly, was that the gun that shot Mr. Burns in Homer's drawer? I... They might have been going for that. I'm not too it, sure. It, it looked like it could have been. But didn't they find the gun? The police would have kept it, surely. Yeah, but like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's Springfield Police, so I don't know how good their evidence collection is. Maybe Bart Bad Homer, cups, bad cups. Homer's kept it as a souvenir. I like that Marge has the old school camera here. Remember how yeah. hard it was to try and get a good photo in the 90s? <laughs> old school, like that was just the camera of the day. Oh, that, that was just the camera at the time. Yes, yeah, yeah but yeah. Um, just, yeah, taking those photos and just hoping that when you get them developed that one of them turned out well. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was potluck. Uh, yeah. Particularly because on those cameras, you couldn't set exposure or anything like that. No, like on, no. on the point and clicks. It was just, yeah, fingers crossed. And the fear was that I'd always be scared when I opened the camera at the end whether the, the film had wound up properly because if yeah, it didn't, yeah. it would just, you Expose were gone. the film and you were cooked. Yeah. Uh, Bart arrives and ruins it for Lisa because now he needs to be taken to the hospital to get all mm-hmm. the shit uh, taken off his face. He's kind of mean here, making fun of Lisa. What well, you should have done, should have uh, thought about that before I stuck this shit to my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's typical Bart though. Yeah. Uh, so Lisa then calls Homer instead because Marge won't let Lisa to catch the bus. So she knows she, she'll be able to trick Homer. Hey, mate. Hey, bro. How you doing? Hello? Dad? Who is this? It's Lisa. I just called to tell you how much I love you, and can I take the bus to the museum? Museum? Mm, I don't like the sound of that. What did your mother say? Um, I wasn't 100% clear on that. She said something, but she was kind of in a rush to get Bart to the emergency room. Hmm, so you want to take the bus, huh? I don't know, that's a pretty big decision. Well, if it would put your mind at ease, I could take a limousine. Although that would cost $200. $200? Well, isn't there any other way? Hmm, I guess I could take the bus if you think that's a better idea. Frankly, I do. I know you had your heart set on a limo, but sometimes daddies have to say no, honey. I'm afraid you're going to have to take the bus. <sighs> All right. a girl, I love you. Yes! I really liked the acting from Yardley during that scene and the animation of Lisa like twiddling the phone cord and all that sort of stuff and just yeah. playing Homer like a fiddle. Um, just really great dynamic. That was a good back and forth. Just sort of filling the space on the screen because I could have had Lisa sitting there doing nothing. But Yeah, exactly. It was, it was all very realistic and there's no um, there's no real joke through any of that seg- 
sequence. It's just it's just a funny funny play out overall, but it's kind of cool to watch her be a little bit naughty and a little bit manipulative. Um, yeah. But in a overall pretty harmless way. Like, she's breaking the rules, but it's not to do anything too subversive. She just wants to go to the, a museum. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing, though, right? How far away is this museum? Could she not have just rode her bike or walked like she does in every other episode when well, she goes to town? As we understand, Springfield is a bigger town than she first realised because it's got a Russian district. So That, that is very true. It's got Crackton. Now, is Crackton the place that Bart went to in it Bart versus Thanksgiving? Felt very similar, the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know if it had yeah. a name back then, though. Okay, okay. Uh, so she gets to the bus stop and she's just full of enthusiasm, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Like, um, almost like Mr. Burns. I'm riding a bus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'd never even really thought about that comparison. I like and that Lionel Hutz is standing there as well. Yeah, like it feels like he wouldn't own a car. Ah, the old number 22. Clean, reliable public transportation. The chariot of the people. The ride of choice for the poor and very poor alike. Sure, some folks prefer... Uh, you getting on this next bus, kid? Yes. <whistles> Taxi! VD Clinic. <gasps> Look, it's the bus! One small step. Hi, Larry. I'm sorry, it's just that on the school bus. May I sit there? Of course not, honey. That seat's for my coin purse. May I have that seat? Yes, if you can answer me these questions three. Question the first. Never mind. I like the delivery of the... Like, as much as the bus driver won't talk to people, he's quite professional in reading the signs or reading the towns. Yes. I know, yeah, okay. Little Newark. Crackton. That's the f- Crackton. Next up. That's the most enjoyable part of their job, though, right? I feel like you'd see some shit as a bus driver. <laughs> I see some shit. You'd have to deal with some... Ab- you'd have to deal like, with, I, I reckon, at least three or four times a day... People saying, claiming they haven't enough money to catch the bus and the whole sob yeah, story. Yeah, that'd happen. But I mean, like, your entire life is basically a dash cam video. Like, if you edit that down, you're going to have some good stories. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's true. Like, the police officers, how they wear the, the chest cam. Then <laughs> to get dash cams. I'm sure buses probably do have them, right? Uh, I don't know Just if they for do. For insurance reasons? Yeah. Not sure. But anyway, so Lisa's on this bus and they're going through town, town, town. She realizes, wait a minute, this isn't going where I th- was going further than I thought it should be. Mm. And then eventually Larry kicks her off. It's very, very mean. End, End of the line. Of the line. Like, yeah. And he looks very evil there. Like that's, it's the premise for a horror movie. It really is. Yeah. Um, I'd be too scared to walk past him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take the emergency exit up the back. Yeah. <laughs> just like smash the window and go out the back door. <laughs> And he just dumps her uh, in the middle of nowhere and she thinks, I should have got off at Crackton. Yeah. We come back from commercial and Bart and Marge are at the medical clinic and we see the poor unfortunate child that was the victim of a plumbing explosion. Yeah. Um, it's a one line that is very unmarge, but I kind of enjoyed it for the fact that it was unexpected that she would say it, that she has no empathy and it's just quietly, that's the kind of faucet I want for your bathroom. <laughs> I can believe that Marge would say that still. Yeah. Like, like she would be so distracted by the homewares aspect of her life. Marge is getting more and more wisecracks as these episodes go on, I reckon. She is, yeah. 
Which even had the like. one at I think the start of this one somewhere. I can't even remember. I mean, I know it was last week where she said breakneck speed. Yeah, mom, someone just died. Yeah, uh, Lisa finds area fifty one A. Yeah, <laughs> I did think this whole next scene here, uh, the chat with Cletus, was kind of pointless. It didn't go anywhere. Um, it was just an excuse to fill time. It didn't, yeah, that's it didn't further the story true. at all. She didn't catch. She didn't catch a ride. No, it did. It did make her run away, which gave it a better cut point than if it had have just ended on the location of this location is classified, and then it's not like a very easy point to put an edit in. Yeah. Which, um, and she could just, have just grumbled and walked away, but that's not as funny as having Cletus talk to Brandine about birthing that baby while she's driving the truck. Yeah, it just it just seems like a very long window way of getting to where they wanted though. But anyway, but um, yeah. Uh, for 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 me, Cletus never quite does it for me. Like he has some funny lines, but when it's a long, drawn out conversations with him, I find he's better as like a one liner, not actual conversations. Otto is very um, similar as well. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want an entire episode about Cletus. I, I I didn't mind. Like I don't mind him for for this amount of time. I I, I laughed enough. Okay. Um, Hibbert then we get the uh, the terror sweat and he scares all of the uh, all of the utensils off of Bart's head. Yeah, Bart by, is fixed by telling him that he's going to have to get injections straight into the spine. Mate, I would legitimately shit my pants if a doctor came towards me with one of those things. I'd want to take it just to show that I could. <laughs> and then shit your pants. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've never had nine hundred injections in my spine before. Who knows what that's going to do to my nervous system? But I yeah I I've watched like episodes of House where people are giving bone marrow, and there's been this weird part of me going, "Geez, I I hope I can donate my bone marrow to someone one day, just so I can show that I could take it." Lisa got the big needle in the spine when she was um in labour with Elliot, the epidural. Hey, you mean Nicola? What did I say? You said Lisa. Oh shit! Yeah, not Lisa. <laughs> Fucking hell. There's no, Nicola, fr- yeah. Don't let that slip out at the wrong time of the <laughs> evening, Dando. <laughs> uh, Lenny, Carl and Homer are having lunch at the power plant and we get the uh, my favourite moment. So, uh, are you guys going to ask me about my hat? Mm. Hey, Carl. What's with the hat? Oh, what, this thing? I got it down at the museum. It's what the ancient Egyptians call a souvenir. My daughter's at that Egyptian dealie right now. <laughs> she wanted to take a limo, but I made her take the bus. You sent your little girl downtown on a bus? Alone? Maybe, but you don't know Lisa. I mean, she's so smart, they hooked her up to a big computer to try to teach it some things. But she had so much knowledge, it overloaded, and then it got really hot and caught on fire. That never, uh, happened, did it, Homer? Uh, yes, but now I have to leave on a totally unrelated matter. Lisa! I really like the acting there from, well, from both of them, Like, but, like, you let your little girl catch the bus, and Homer instantly, like, just that judgment, hit being enough for him to pick up on, oh, I've done the wrong thing, and yes. not being able to admit it. And how do I how do I get out of here about them realizing that I've done this? Yeah, <laughs> on an unrelated matter. Um, and and it's, it's nice too that, like you said, that Homer does give a shit. Mm. He sees there's actually going to be consequences for his actions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, you said before that you felt that this was 
um, setting up for the transition to Jerkoma or like his conversation about just take, doing whatever he wants. But I, he's really not a jerk at any moment in this episode. No, nah, and I wasn't saying he was, but I'm saying I just sort of felt that conversation kind of... It, it, it's... It didn't annoy me. I just sort of saw it and went, oh, yeah, I guess this is sort of their way of justifying where the direction they're taking the character. It didn't anger me. I just sort of thought maybe yep. that's what they were going for with it. That's all. Um, Lisa arrives to uh, the Russian district, which is just fantastic. <laughs> it's a really fantastic, like, inspired sequence. Yeah, it's great. It's, I wonder they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, because, like, the obvious thing is to do a Chinatown or something like that. Um yeah, it's just very cool because not many places have a Russian district. What about where, um, when Homer and Marge are younger and Bart's a baby? Don't they live in the Italian district? Uh, not. There's a few kind of Italian sounding girls, but I don't think they live in an Italian district. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I love that we get the throwback to Clough Clush Man. Even though really he's still in this season, it's hard to believe that this that episode's in this season. Yeah, it is. It feels like, like so it, much longer ago. Longer yeah. ago. And, I mean, he, he's moved from New York, apparently, to Springfield. Crab that is Kalash true. must have been selling very well near the Twin Towers. <laughs> well, he, he wasn't selling any crab juice, so he had to go try and find Homer. Yeah. Uh, we get the, like, Lisa calling Homer se- um, segment just to, to end Chinatown. We get his little uh, voicemail that kind of raises more questions than it answers. If you're calling about the waterbed, please leave oh, yes. a detailed message. <laughs> Uh, if you need, and then Mr. Burns cuts in, get back to work. And then it doesn't, what does the woman say? You buy, you buy it with the octopus. Oh yeah. With the octopus. That was terrifying. Yeah. Was that octopus uh, dead or alive? Uh, presumably alive. I think you sell fresh octopus. Okay. Then it cuts to Homer running through the exhibit, trying to find Lisa. Very funny moment where he's like, he comes out with merch and a lolly. That's the part I like. One of the visuals I remember the most: him coming out with the Egyptian hat on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It, it'd be, it's, it, it, it makes be sense good, that that'll be the first place to look. Yeah, it'd be a good deep cut um, dress up as well. Like if you wanted to find a non, like a Simpsons reference that not everyone wears, that'd be a good one to go with. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then Homer's trying to uh, get everyone's attention on the road. Have you seen this girl? Have you seen my little girl? He screams through the window. For God's sakes, my little girl is... And Marge. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just love the fact that he's able to trick Marge. For God's sakes, my little girl is... Hello. Oh, what's going on? Shouldn't you be at work? I am at work. This is what I do. But... Keep it moving, Marge. This isn't a parking lot. I'm sorry. Shouldn't you be at work right now? Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Burns, sir. Well, then get back to wherever it is you work, whoever you are. Excuse me, ma'am, have you seen this little girl? I'd love to help you, pal, but I'm on a stake out here. Yoink! Hey. Oh, 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 great. Somebody stop that awful, awful man! What do you think of Wiggum there, undercover? Um, Someone stop that awful, awful man. Felt like a Sylvester Stallone movie from the mid '90s that hasn't been made. Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Oh, kind of, but was he undercover in Mr. Nanny, or was he just a nanny? Is I'm I just I've never actually seen it. I just assumed that's why he would be a nanny would to, to be undercover because the father's a criminal or someone in the family's a criminal or something. Okay, well that's possible. We'll look at the premise later. <laughs> um, 
But yes, it's a very, very 90s Stallone film. I'm surprised it didn't happen. Or Big Mama's House. That is actually it, yeah. And that wasn't yeah, a great movie. I don't no, remember it. Yeah, I don't remember it being great, but there was two of them, so it must have made money. So then Homer's still looking for Lisa, and uh, this is a great uh, bait and switch of the balloons, isn't it? Give me all, uh, pull back and reveal, but yes, uh, give me all yeah. your balloons. Oh, I hope this works. These are for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't turn down balloons, something about yeah. them. I've already got some balloons, but they're not this nice, or something along those lines. Let's him use the cherry picker. Um, this is where Lisa eventually sees him because he's up in the sky. And but unfortunately, the well, it's not very safe, is it? The way it's restrained, the cherry picker. It's just like something in front of the wheel. It's just like a yeah, like a single chock. Yeah, um, and that moves out of the way. Homer starts screaming down the street. Now he needs Lisa to save him. Lisa, save me! Save and we me! Get, is it, is it we get the um, save me Superman at some point? <laughs> yeah, I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, and realistically, he could have just jumped out of this cherry picker into the water at this point. <laughs> yeah, presumably he could have swam. It wasn't that far. No, but the thing is, yeah, like, like he could have just gone out and swam to the shore. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, <laughs> he's like literally at the water level at this point. But um, yeah. this is where the, the drawbridge closes on his head and whatever. It is what it is. Uh, then we get the moment uh, where he says to Lisa, on the way home, Lisa's disappointed. She shouldn't have done it. As you said, I'll never take a stupid risk again, and we get the speech. I'll never take another stupid risk like that again. Don't ever say that. What? If I hadn't have taken a stupid risk with that cherry picker, I never would have found you. I guess. Stupid risks are what make life worth living. Now your mother, she's the steady type, and that's fine in small doses. But me, I'm a risk taker. That's why I have so many adventures. Dad, you're headed for the river again. Dad! <laughs> Feel your heart pumping a mile a minute? That's what my heart's doing all the time. But your left arm's tingling too, huh? Dad, are you all right? I'm enjoying my life too much to care. And you should be too. So I do, I really like the bit about, um, now your mom, your mother, she's a steady type. And that's fine in small doses. <laughs> like Small doses. Yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> It's that thing of like, there's only so much of rule following that I can take. Meanwhile, if Marge wasn't around, you'd be dead many years ago, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. But I, I think that speaks to a dichotomy in most people. You've got to have a little bit of Homer and a little little bit of Marge in you to live your life. Yeah, but he doesn't have any Marge. <laughs> He's all Homer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You can't live your life like Homer, but you need a bit of both. And he's, he's a cartoon character, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, so Homer convinces Lisa they should sneak into the museum since she wasn't able to see it in time. And they, they, they break and enter. Pretty dangerous way of getting in, isn't it? Climbing up the outside. Her life yeah. is at danger. <laughs> I, um, I don't imagine that you would have played these, but it reminded me a lot of uh, an Uncharted sequence, uh, the video game Uncharted. I know the game, but I haven't played it. No, yeah. No. Um, but there's a lot of that. Like, There's a lot of climbing and sneaking and jumping through windows. Yeah, that, that, those things. Did you ever play Crash Bandicoot the original? Uh, yeah, of course. Do you remember oh, the levels? I think it was called ah uh, the one the the jungle where you had to jump up and spin oh, and make the platforms. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. ones you go from side to side, kind of like that. Yeah, a little bit. Um. Also, by the way, Marge and Bart get home, and we get the great moment of Bart arguing with himself, <laughs> arguing with himself, and then being smugly satisfied that someone who's not in a room just got told <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, and then that's where 
uh, Homer and Lisa sneak in. And like I said, it's a nice moment at the end. It just felt like though that it didn't come out of nowhere, but it just didn't have that emotional impact that the Homer and Lisa stories tend to usually have. No, yeah, okay. But I, the thing is, she needed, for the episode to have any sense of closure, she needs to get into that exhibit somehow. Otherwise, it would have ended and the problem would be that she spent the entire episode trying to get to this exhibit and then it ends without her getting there. Yeah. So, there's no real alternative. Um, I, I feel like, an, an, this is just me, and it's not as wacky, but to me, an older episode would have had Lisa and Homer get in just in time and then go see the exhibit together. Yeah, could have done that, but there still would have needed to have been some form of some form of something hairy happened to get there. Um, like, because ultimately, like, she still needs to learn that, that lesson of it's okay to take a risk sometimes. Maybe, yeah, the, the risk thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of... If you really look through the storytelling themes that they'd set up through the episode, the way it ended was kind of a, a corner that they'd painted themselves into, that there was... For for Homer's point to stand and for Lisa's journey to end, this was kind of the marriage that had to happen. Yeah, like I said, it didn't piss me off. It just sort of, just felt a little rushed. But yeah, I, I can see what you what you're saying there. The whole just mysterious orb of ISIS thing just sort of just felt like it was just something that is quickly created in order to have that emotional ending. I don't know. It just sort of it didn't quite hit all the notes that it, I thought it was going to. Yeah, well, like I said, for me, it just, I, I enjoyed that it was an episode that devoted a lot of time to Lisa um, and and the Homer-Lisa dynamic. And I, I just really liked, I think more than anything, I really liked Yardley's acting and performance throughout this entire episode. Um, it, it grounded the whole episode in something that I was invested in. I actually felt the first two thirds of the episode were very relatable because we've all been in that situation that yeah. Lisa's been in. Not necessarily all been lost, but we've all gone travelling for the first time by ourselves, and it's a big, yeah. it's a big, big experience. And Lisa really felt like a kid in it. Yep. Um, it's nice to see Lisa in scenarios where she doesn't know everything and she's not completely on top of her game. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, because it's rare for her. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to just see you've still got this child, incredibly smart child, but a child nonetheless. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mitchell? Uh, I learned that if you find any sort of ancient Egyptian exhibit and you're unsure what to do, throw it on the ground. <laughs> I've just got crossing your velvet rope will always end in disaster, but yeah, that's probably one of your best final what are your learns you've done in oh, a long thank time. You. There's <laughs> especially all these listeners out there now just throwing shit. <laughs> Take that! <laughs> Take that, Tutankhamen! But Four Finger Disco told me to do it. <laughs> Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! Mailbag time. What have they sent in this week, Mitch? Ah, uh, Freddie Thomas writes in, Dear Mitch and Dando, I herald from Colchester in the UK, and after listening for the last two years or so, I've finally got myself around to sending you guys a message. Your podcast Thanks, is... Thank you, Fred. Uh, your podcast has reminded me of just how much I love The Simpsons. Um, it's been a joy to listen uh, to remember the episodes and the good times. I have a story to tell, one that concerns your podcast carrying a terrible curse, just like Froget, but with less potassium benzoate. So that's good. I got my brother Mike into your podcast, and he used to listen to it while driving. 
oh, I don't like where this is going. Yeah, used to. Uh, oh, no, hang on. It's okay. It's not too bad. I stress okay. that he used to because on the few occasions that, he's did, that he did, his car would subsequently break down. Oh. The fact that it, it happened multiple times while listening to our show and nothing else. As a result, he can't listen to f- or finger discount while driving out of fear it could happen again. That's not. It's a that's, ghost uh, podcast. Can, can, presumably, he was just laughing too hard. and um, <laughs> He drove he, off uh, the road and smashed, smashed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not even that. Like, I just, you know, he jiggled the carburetor out of place. Um, jiggled uh, the car. Did you just make a word up? Carburetor is a word. <laughs> I don't know what it does. <laughs> On that Continue. subject, do you guys believe in any superstitions or are there things that you don't do as a result of prior circumstances? So for some reason, for a long time, I was the whole uh, stepping under a ladder. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. But then when I was at work at Ford, I used to have to do it nearly every time I was going to fix the machine. So, I just got over it. Um, and yep. then when you're a kid... When someone says, step on a crack, you break your mother's back. You're like, oh, shit. I better not step on a crack. I've never heard that one. Oh, when I was, when I was I'm talking like five or six, you know, step on, when you're walking on the footpath, step on yeah. a crack, breaks your mother's back. That haunts you. Two are, I don't think the two are connected, but it's a violent yeah, ride. I, I, know, but, but I, know, I know, but the thing is, you, you don't realize how often you actually step on the cracks when you're walking on a footpath until someone says that to you and it completely fucks up your day. <laughs> you came home and apologized. Gave your mum a massage. Mum's laying on the couch. I'm like, oh, oh God. Oh, no, what happened? <laughs> what about you? Uh, no, I think I'm one of the least superstitious people on the planet. Um, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, no, no, I really don't have anything. I don't have any massive set routines like before sport or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I don't think that... There's nothing. I'm too logical, and I'm too, I'm, I'm like in in that sense, I'm too much of a logical thinker. And I know that no, nothing that I do is going to make any difference. That thing of like, you're watching a game of football, and your team's getting its ass kicked, and then you walk out of the room, and then they score four goals, and then you come back, and they start getting their ass kicked again, and you're like, oh, it must be me. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it's it, you know, there was bad timing and and bad luck. Um, no, you know, for me, I didn't tip Geelong for the first half of this season. Got back from the buy and I tipped them, and they've been shit ever since. <laughs> so I say that they've been shit ever since. They finished on top of the ladder, so they've been okay. <laughs> I'd hardly. This isn't a superstition so much as a um, what's one of those other things? An obsessive compulsive disorder. Ex manager of mine at the bank would uh, had to check that the safe was locked three times, so he'd okay. lock it. And then he would rotate against the lock three times to make sure it was safe. Then he would lock the doors and then check them three times to make sure that they were uh, locked. And then on the one occasion where I, I waved goodbye to him and then I waited 15 minutes and then I gave him a call and said, Hey, Matt, you did double check that safe, right? Um, <laughs> he turned around and he drove back in because I'd planted that seed of doubt. <laughs> and he couldn't. He's like... As soon as I said it, he's like, "Ah, oh, ah, oh, you bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said Nicola. She has to have the um the volume on an even number. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, she in case she, the TV explodes. Yeah, she explodes. Sit, yeah, or the car you know stops working. <laughs> um, she yeah, if, if I put it on seven seven nine or three, she can have it on five because it's a it's like right in the middle. But seven mm-hmm. nine or three, no, nah, no good. 
we've got an email that's come in from Calls of the Void. Uh, no idea what that is, but anyway, hey guys, massive fan. You two keep me sane on drives to and from uni. I've been doing a bit of stand-up comedy over the past year and therefore have been trying to master the craft of writing comedy. Well, you shouldn't be listening to our podcast uh, unless it's an example of what not to do. I've been wondering who your favourite Simpsons writers are, why they're your favourite writers, and what about them specifically makes them a great writer. I'm pretty sure it was last week, John Swartzwater. He seems to be able to ride that line between absolutely absurd and wacky and still have that sense of believability and emotional aspect to the story as well. He seems to be mm-hmm. able to do that really well. That, uh, quite often when you you have that, you, you look at it like, oh, it's a Swats Um So there's a reason he's written more episodes than anybody else. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know if I could necessarily name specific writers because so often... Like even if the joke, even if the episode is attributed to someone, who knows who the jokes were, like where yeah. they came from. They might have had the um, skeleton, and it's just been fleshed out by everybody. Yeah, um, I, I've personally, like, as someone who has watched a lot of comedy, um, and movies in general, like uh, my 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 favorite things are something that can take me by surprise. So if I think that. Uh, it, anything that I think is heading in one way and then goes another. So I, I really like the joke about Homer buying the balloons and saying, "Geez, I hope this works," and then using them to um to try to get into the cherry picket. Like it's so fucking simple and absurd, but perfect at the same time. Like it it almost it it pays off almost as if it's like a point and click adventure game. Like it's just the most ridiculous solution to a puzzle of all time. Um. It, it sets your expectations up to go one way. It completely subverts it, but it but in a way that doesn't break them. Like in a way that just it, it all makes sense in a completely new way. Um, and it could actually work. <laughs> yeah. So so like I really really love the and anything along those lines. Um, the other one, the other jokes like and this is true of any comedy. It's just the stuff that's painfully simple. That like. If you can deliver, I think George Carlin referred to comedy as just reminding people of stuff that they forgot they knew. Like, it's that's what Seinfeld based the whole career around. To an extent, yeah. Like, say something that no one in the room had thought of, but everyone in the room instantly goes, "Yes, that that's me." Um, like that that you know that's the ultimate goal. I think of a lot of comedy, but that is. Very, very, very difficult craft to master. Um, ben Folds, uh, I just started reading his autobiography and he had a really, really great metaphor for it that I think actually sums up not just comedy, but like any form of artistic endeavor as well as anyone that I've ever heard try to sum it up. And he describes it as a dream that he'd had when he was a kid. So he had this dream where he was catching... Um, but they call them lightning bugs, but fireflies basically. So he's in his in this dream. He's running around his backyard catching these fireflies and putting them in a jar. There's all these other kids in the yard. There's other people in the yard. No one else could see the fireflies until he had caught it. Once he caught one and put it in a jar and it started to glow, then everyone else could see it and really enjoy it. And he's like, to me, that dream is what being an artist is. It's finding fireflies, finding these like moments of brightness or finding this glow that that you gravitate towards in everyday life that everyone else like they don't know it's there until you point it out to them 
and then they go, oh my God, yes, look at the firefly. Like that, that kind of stuff. And that became very, like th- this has become a very long-winded and um, esoteric answer to that question uh, rather than just saying, I like this joke because it made me laugh. But that, that to me, like if you actually want to get into the craft of writing, then like that's the sort of, obviously you're not going to sit down and write a joke and think, right, how do I do this? But if you can look at a joke afterwards and recognize that it does that sort of thing, then you've probably got something that's pretty good. Well, I hope you enjoyed that response. What was the My, person's name? <laughs> the comedian? <laughs> uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. My uh, thesis on um, <laughs> my thesis on joke writing will be published later this year in the third quarter. Mitch's Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was that it for the mailbag? We've got one more question. No, nah, that's it for the mailbag. That's it for the mailbag. All righty. Mitch, do you know what we're going to be reviewing next week? I believe it's the, uh, the season finale. Oh, Natural Born Kisses. Kisses, yeah, it's the one, it's the first time I remember The Simpsons being M-rated or this pitched as M-rated. One. Have we yeah. done this one before? No, nah, we wrote it for the wrote about it for the book. We did something ah. in the book about it. Yeah, okay, gotcha. But what it was like to the, how the build up to this one was so much different. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure it was like this overseas, but in Australia, it was Channel 10's like the first ever what, adults only Simpsons. I will make a promise to you, Dando. Yeah, I will record the review in the nude, but only if you're doing it here, though. Well, webcams. If if necessary, no, no. I, I need I need I need nude Mitch in the room. Nude Mitch, okay. <laughs> Done. You proceed to take your clothes off. I'm very uncomfortable. Shall we live stream a nude, <laughs> a nude review? What it'd be like the, it'd be like the naked news. Like I just remove a layer of clothing just, every uh, so uh, often. Every segment. <laughs> yeah. By the time we get to what you learn, I'm like, well, I learned a lot about Mitch. <laughs> um, speaking of. Uh, <laughs> I've learned that that mul- oh, sorry, I've, I've learned that that melanoma is growing. Maybe you should, should be checked. Maybe you should be nude at our trivia night this weekend. I uh, probably should not. I'm sure that the venue has rules against that. And it'd be ch- we should be charging a lot more per ticket if that was the case. Um, uh, so yeah, if you're listening <laughs> and you're in if the only Sydney, to recu- if only to recoup the legal costs. If you're listening right now and you're in the Sydney area and you've got nothing else to do, I mean, even if you've got something to do, this is going to be so much more enjoyable. Mitch and I and Bodes, our dear friend, the Simpsons cover extraordinaire, are going to be doing a Simpsons trivia night at the Med in Sydney. Tickets are available yep. at Sticky Ticks. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash discount, and you'll find the link at the top of the page there. Uh, we're going to be doing trivia as well as Bodes playing some Simpsons covers throughout the night. And at the end, we're just going to be playing some 90s tunes. We've got the venue until 3 a.m. So it's just mm. going to be a night of just booging to some 90s tunes, having a few drinks. And if, yeah, if you're a listener, come say hello. We'd love to meet each and every one of you and tell your mates if they don't listen to the show, tell them about the trivia night. Let's all get around it, celebrate the Simpsons, just have a really good night. So that's this Saturday, August 31st at The Med in Sydney. Tickets are at stickytickets.com.au. As Mitch said before, the next episode for next week is Natural Born Kisses, the season finale of season nine. All first nine seasons done and dusted, Mitch. We finally got there. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. Can I just um, quickly give a shout out, by the way, because uh, you, you went off and did your little wrap up, so I decided to open the internet. Um, props to IGN, who have posted a review for a game called Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey, which is basically like this survival simulator, but it's set. You, you play monkeys and you have to evolve uh, over time. Um, but the subheading to the review is, oh my gosh. I was wrong. It was Earth all along. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. Also, just before we go, Mitch, did we or did we not in Geelong have turning lanes? (laughs) 
Look, you don't need to back over this, Dando, and it's been clearly discussed in the, the in the group. I thought you meant the, the turning lanes to the left, not the turning lanes to the right. There are so. turning lanes to the left. No, there aren't. Did you look at the second picture that's part of it? There are. There's a little... Right. That's No, right. that was a bike lane. No, no, no. The one listen, to the listen, left listen. was a bike lane. No, no, no. This is what it was, dude. It was a straight lane. You had the right turning lane. There was mm-hmm. a thin a thin bike lane. That's a little thin green one in between the left turning lane and the middle lane, which you weren't allowed to cross into unless you were a bit further back. You obviously, oh, for on. your... Oh, I was thinking of Ryrie Street. <laughs> well, we've got to the bottom of the turning lanes. <laughs> and thus concludes the end of that chapter. <laughs> but uh, yes, thank you once again for listening to our review of Lost Our Lisa. Next week, Natural Born Kisses. Trivia night this Saturday, August 31st at the Met in Sydney. It's going to be great. Mitch is a fantastic host. You're going to really enjoy it. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? No, Dando. I will give you my final words A. Shh.